you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, Genesis, surprise of all surprises, uh, chapter 37. This is the beginning of the end. Uh, this is the last section in Genesis. We have been looking for the past, well, probably about a month and a half, maybe almost two months. We've been looking at the life of Jacob, who has been renamed Israel, and we've seen uh, God's work in his life. Uh, that takes up kind of the main middle section of the book of Genesis. And now we're moving on to the final section of Genesis, which really has as its topic this person named Joseph. Joseph is uh, one of the sons of Jacob, one of his 12 sons. And uh, we're going to be looking at his life between now and about the end of June. I plan on wrapping up Genesis around the end of June. And uh, just as an FYI for the summer, we're going to do a study in the book of Colossians. So if you want to start to prep for that, you can, uh, during your reading uh, of the Bible during the week, you might want to flip through Colossians and read that a few times and get up to speed. Uh, we'll do that for about eight weeks in the summer. And then as we've already said, we're going to go into Romans uh, next fall. And I have absolutely no idea how long that sermon series is going to last. Um, there's a good chance Jesus will come back before it is over. Uh, but, uh, but for the time being this morning, we're going to continue in, uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 37. I mentioned earlier that we uh, we had uh, closed the nominations for elders and deacons this morning, and now we'll be in the process of screening and interviewing and all of that, all of those things, for this uh, very purpose. Leadership is absolutely vital to any group of people. Uh, if you have a void or a dearth in leadership, you have a serious, serious problem on your hands. It doesn't matter if it's just within the context of your immediate family, uh, whether it's actually in government or industry. Uh, private or public, uh, education. The church is no exception to this. Uh, organizations rise and fall on the quality of their leadership. Uh, personally, I get all the information I can get on leadership and I, and I read it. If there's, if there's anything I absorb uh, like a sponge, it's, it's theories, it's ideas on leadership. Whether I'm reading in Scripture about leaders in Scripture like uh, the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus himself has a, has a paradigm for leadership, that is truly remarkable, whether it's in the Old Testament, somebody like Moses or King David. Uh, I, I can't get enough of learning about leadership. I, I read secular books uh, on leadership. I just finished a book a few months ago on the life of Harry Truman. Fascinating study in leadership. Here's this quiet uh, farmer, actually grew up on a farm in uh, northwestern uh, Missouri who ascends to the presidency. A couple things I learned in that book. Uh, this is free of charge. I won't, won't, won't charge any extra for this. You can save you maybe from reading the book about that thick. Um, Truman was a hard worker. I mean, a very hard worker. Grew up on a farm, was used to getting up before the sun, uh, came up and worked until after the sun had gone down. And he took that work ethic with him into his political life. And anybody that knew Harry Truman said he, he would do more work before lunch than anybody would do, you know, in a week. Uh, and he had a strong work ethic. The second thing I learned about leadership from Truman was that he always did what he thought was right. Now, that doesn't mean that everything he did was above uh, reproof. Uh, if he could do a buddy a favor, as long as it didn't violate his conscience, he was not above doing political favors. There's no question about that. But if, if Truman thought it was wrong, it doesn't matter if you were his best friend. He would not violate his own perspective on right and wrong. Now, there's two great lessons in leadership right there. Just looking at my own work ethic. Do I work hard as a leader? And looking at, at sticking to what I believe is right. So the, the study in leadership is important. And Joseph is a study in leadership. What happens in Joseph's life is he goes from this small nomadic family in the, in the land of Canaan to really one of the greatest international leaders of Old Testament times. Joseph's journey in leadership is fraught with pitfalls. It, it, it's 
it's benchmarked by disaster. Some of these are of his own making, as we'll see this morning. Uh, Joseph makes some, some very young, uh, immature mistakes, which we're going, to, we're going to take a peek at today. Other times he's the victim. Someone else is the culprit. But in all of this, God is working on Joseph for his purposes. So whether we're thinking about it in the context of family, whether we're thinking about it in the context uh, of our work worlds, or whether we're thinking about the context of Green Tree Community Church and our spiritual family, uh, the lessons of Joseph, the lessons in leadership are going to be valuable for us to uh, take to heart this morning and for the next few weeks. Uh, So we're going to read in Genesis 37, uh, verses 1 through 11, and then verses 23 through 28. Uh, And I rarely do this at Green Tree, but you've been sitting for a little while, and I want to get your heart pumping a little bit, so you uh, stay with me through the sermon. So if you would stand up, uh, we're going to read the scripture this morning standing. Uh, I'll read it for us. You can follow along on the screen. And before I read it, I want to give you one other little piece of information. Um, In this passage, it says in verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob. That's a transition statement in Genesis. If you read through Genesis, you will hear that over and over again. These are the generations of Adam. These are the generations of Noah. These are the generations of Abraham. And every time you see that in Genesis, the author is simply saying, we're moving to a new chapter. We're moving to a new part of the story. So this morning is the beginning of the last story in Genesis. Hear the word of God. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, who used to be Jacob, that's his new name, Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, here's this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And then skipping ahead to verse 23 in the text. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. 
This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. You may be seated. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, you uh, tell us not to lean on our own understanding, trust in our own judgment, but in all our ways acknowledge you and you will direct our paths. Father, the, the question of leadership in the church is a serious question. The church has been harmed greatly by leaders who have not had the mind and the heart of Christ. Not just looking back into antiquity or into the church age, but into our generation, Father. There have been moments of great distress that have been brought on because leadership has been lacking in character and godliness. Father, what's true of the church is also true in our families and our businesses and our community. And so this question that we're going to look at for the next few weeks is an important one. Father, I pray that you would give us an understanding of your word. Lord, my thoughts and theories on on leadership are just that. They're just mine. They're finite. Uh, They are limited. It is only your word that speaks eternal truth into our lives. And it is that truth for which we are gathered together this morning. So, Lord, I pray that that I would not uh, be in the way of what you want to say. Father, I confess again my sin to you. And acknowledge it is only by grace that I am saved. I pray that you would not allow me or my misdeeds or my misthoughts to stand in the way of what you want your people to hear this morning. Lord, as we are gathered together to worship you with our minds and our, with our intellect, I pray that you would speak your truth into our lives. Lord Jesus, that you would come by your word and by your spirit and be our teacher. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to give you uh, five observations out of this text this morning. They all are surrounding the idea of leadership. Uh, they're not... Uh, the sum and substance on the conversation, but certainly there are some things to be learned from uh, this family, uh, Israel, his sons, uh, this, young, his son, this youngest son, Joseph, uh, that I think are applicable to us as a congregation, us as individuals as well. So I'm just going to walk through uh, these five obser- observations. The first one I call a dangerous disposition. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was, the boy, he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, right off the bat, you need to know that, that Moses, who's the author of Genesis, gives us no clue whatsoever about the reliability of Joseph's analysis of his brothers. We don't know if Joseph really did have some good ideas about how to make the, the, the shepherding business better. Uh, we don't know if, if, you know, if he kind of sat back and he observed and he had some insights and he was a little more gifted than everybody else in taking care of sheep and, and uh, thought about it for a while and then, and then decided to make this report whether his motives were pure or whether his motives were less than pure, whether, whether Joseph really was lacking in character. Now, I'm going to suggest that the passage leans in that direction for a couple of different reasons. I, I think that, that it's interesting that Moses takes the time to say, that Joseph was only 17 years old when this happened. Now, I have nothing against 17-year-olds. Our 17-year-old is, is uh, actually, he's, he's about to turn 19, so he's not even 17 anymore. Uh, but I love him a lot, and he's a great guy. He's got, he's got lots of, of wonderful ideas. He has a, a ton of potential, as many, many teenagers do. So this is, not a, this is not a slam on teenagers, but the facts are there's a difference between living for 17 years and living for 40 years or 50 years or, or 70 years, and that little word is called experience. And so at the very least, Joseph is lacking experience on how to go about dealing with conflict, how to go about dealing with problems. 
We don't know what his motives were, but, but at least we, we can guess that he felt that he was probably smarter than everybody else around him, that he had an insight that his brothers didn't have, and he took it upon himself to make sure that he brought this report back to his father. Now, experience would tell you, if you're a little bit older perhaps, would tell you that, you know, if, if you've got a problem with the way something's being done, you go and you talk to that person about it. None of us really like conflict. None of us, you know, look forward to, boy, I want to I go in there and kind of wrestle with somebody until we get this figured out. But we do it because we know the best way to solve an issue is with the person with whom we have the issue. What does Joseph do? Joseph doesn't go to Reuben and say, Reuben, I got, you know, he's the oldest brother. I got some questions about how we're doing the sheep thing. I think I might have some ideas. He doesn't pull him aside, doesn't have a private conversation with him. What does he do? He goes straight to his father and he gossips about his brothers. That's what this message is. When you talk about somebody who isn't present in a negative way, that's called gossip. Scripture is very clear on that. The world's very clear on that. That's not up for debate. And here is Joseph talking about his brothers behind their back. That leads you to think that his motives probably are less than pure. I'm going to guess, although it's simply Tom Ricks' opinion, that this really isn't a question about shepherding. It's not about taking care of sheep. I think rather it's about Joseph knowing that he's the father's favorite and playing off that in order to continue to look good in his father's eyes. He's not so much concerned about the flock. He's not so much concerned about his brothers as he's concerned about looking the best. After all, he's the son with the coat of many colors. I remember when we were younger and every once in a while I would disobey my parents and go out and play on the train tracks that ran behind our house and we weren't supposed to do that. And I remember a couple times when my sister uh, informed my parents of this activity on my behalf and I'm pretty certain she wasn't doing it because she was worried that I was going to get hit by the train. In fact, there were a couple times where she suggested that that might not be a bad idea. So that siblings, okay, that's when we were young, but I was pretty sure that her motives were not in, in my best interest. And that's, that's where Joseph is. Joseph's saying, you know what, I've got a way to look good here, and I'm going to take advantage. And he's in a dangerous disposition. His youthfulness, his lack of experience, coupled with what I consider to be a bit of an arrogance on his part, lead him to create some problems within his family. And so for young emerging leaders this morning, for those of you that are in your teens, that are in your early 20s, and, and for me, young people now, it's like 35 on down. I mean, I just, I kind of keep getting older. Uh, but for those of you that, that are coming into leadership responsibilities on your high school campus or, or on your college campus or even within Green Tree Community Church, be wary of your own motives. Be careful to have others help you examine your hearts. Be careful not to be too wise in your own eyes. I, I was trying to remember as I was preparing this sermon when I was the smartest in my entire life. I think it was when I was 15. I'm pretty sure of that. But I might have been a little bit smarter when I was 16. But, but there's a sense that in youthfulness, and again, it's just part of growing up. It's just the process. But we have a tendency when we're young to think we know quite a bit and we're anxious to share that information with others. And there's a word of caution here out of the life of Joseph. Take time to listen and to learn and to grow. If you read the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, the first several chapters all pretty much start off the same way. My son, listen to my words of instruction. Smartest guy that ever lived besides Jesus, King Solomon, is begging and pleading with his children to pay attention to his teaching, to not be wise in their own eyes, but to listen carefully to the instruction coming from a loving father. And I think that's a good word of encouragement for our young leaders this morning. Joseph uh, was in a dangerous disposition. But also, 
this situation begins to create some contention among the family. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. Made him a robe of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. I got a question for you this morning, especially if you're a parent. When does playing favorites with with one of your children ever turn out really great? (laughs) When when is it that where where we make one kind of the star of the family? Does that ever really have a great ending to it? Uh, or, or if you were the star of your family, you know, if you were, and for a lot of us, it was the one who was the youngest because parents are just exhausted and, and you've kind of watched your brothers and sisters make mistakes. And so you can kind of avoid all of that. You know, what happens in a family? I, I don't think a lot of good things come out of that rivalry and that, and that contention that happens because of playing favorites. And dad is culpable here. Israel is the one who is helping create this conflict between the brothers. It says very clearly, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Why? Because he was the son of his old age. Joseph was a reason for Israel to brag. That's what that verse says. It says that that Israel was so consumed with himself, again, Israel's struggling with sin just like the rest of us, that he likes to go around and thump his chest and say, look at that boy that, that, that is my son of my old age. Wasn't anything that Joseph had done. Joseph didn't, didn't show himself better than his brothers. He just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And Israel helps create this problem to the point where these siblings can't even speak to one another with a civil tongue in their head. But Joseph, in his arrogance, helps create the problem. Israel compounds the problem. But the brothers also show very little maturity. All of them are several years older then Joseph, the oldest one, Reuben, is probably a good 15 to 20 years older than his youngest brother. And he could have led the pack. He could have said, you know what, guys, I know that dad is doting on Joseph, and I know that that drives all of us crazy, but let's give dad the benefit of the doubt. Let's cut him some slack. Maybe this is a blind spot in his life. But we do well to, to love Joseph because it shows love for our father, but there's none of that. Everybody involved in this process is really self-centered, is really all about them. And friends, that kind of contention can kill a family. It can kill a church. That kind of angst between one another, unresolved conflict, is one of the worst things that can happen in human relationships. And so we have Joseph in this dangerous disposition, but we have the rest of the family continuing to create uh, more of a problem than a solution. My third observation is this. Talent, along with immaturity, can be a very, very bad combination. Let's go to uh, verse 5 and following. Joseph has a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams. And for his words, I, I read that verse and, and the thought that crossed my mind is I don't believe I would have shared that with my brothers. <laughs> I think that maybe I, I, I would have kept that to myself. Now, you need to understand about Joseph. He is gifted with the interpretation of dreams. That's actually a gift that God has given him and he's going to use it all throughout his life. The more we look at Joseph, the more you're going to hear about either Joseph having a dream or someone he knows having a dream and Joseph being given the ability by God to interpret the dream. 
So this is the first of several of those examples that are going to happen in Joseph's life. He has been given this gift by God. He will use it, God will use it in great ways in Joseph's life, but not on this particular day. Because you see, Joseph is correct when he talks to his brothers. These sheaves, I've seen this. You guys are going to gather around me. You're all going to bow down. And the next one where he talks about the sun and the moon and, and the 11 stars bowing down, those are accurate statements. Joseph is correct, but Joseph is not right. Joseph is arrogant. He's proudful. And as if it's saying, you know what, you guys pick on me now, but there's a day coming when I'm going to get back. God's revealed to me in a dream that all of you, the whole family, you just wait. Your time's coming. You'll have to bow down to me. And his smugness and his arrogance is like throwing gasoline on a fire. If you're a young leader here at Green Tree Community Church, or a young leader in your family, young men and women with, with, with a ton of potential, gifted by God, passionate for the church. And I got to tell you, I'm thrilled about the next generation of leaders at Green Tree Community Church. I've said to you off and on over the spring that, that the present leadership is, is really interested in transitioning and bringing on new leaders and giving them more responsibility in the younger generation and, and really helping them take ownership of what will be the congregation over which God will make them overseers in the years to come. And we want to bring those leaders on. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see some of the talent and the spiritual gifts of the young people at Green Tree Community Church. And that is a wonderful start. It's a great place to begin. And we will never purposefully look down upon your youth at Green Tree Community Church. We may, from time to time, make that mistake, but we won't be purposeful. And I'll give you a great example. I couldn't give it in the first service because it didn't happen until in between services. I'm walking down the hall, and one of our four-year-old little girls, just a delight, she comes in the office every once in a while. I see her fairly regularly. She stopped me in the hall and said, Pastor Tom, the kids are running crazy in the gym. <laughs> and I sent somebody down to check it out. <laughs> I took, I didn't, I didn't look at her and say, you're only four years old. You don't know what you're talking about. So you're four years old. You know exactly what you're talking about. I'm going to get somebody down to the gym right now. We won't purposely despise you because you're young. We may make that mistake sometimes, but it won't be on purpose. But we also have to tell you that talent and passion are not enough in the kingdom of God. There is a seasoning that takes place in your life as you live. There are failures that happen that you come through and you come out on the other side and you realize that God sustained you and you realize that, that people around you are more gracious than you thought and, you, and, you're, and you're honed and you're sharpened and your heart is molded to the heart of Jesus through your disappointments, through the challenges that you face in life. And it's not that, that, that we want bad things to happen to you, but those of us who are a little bit older know that when those moments come, and you see God faithful in the midst of that, it grows you into an even better and stronger leader than you were before. I remember when I first started preaching on a regular basis back in, in 1995, and at times uh, people in church feel comfortable in telling you what they think about your sermons. I remember there was one guy that would stop, I think I've told you this before, stop me after every sermon, he'd tell me how many sentences I ended in prepositions, uh, which was just a delightful conversation to have Sunday in, and, uh, and Sunday out. I have a friend who, who has this comment. He says, you'd be shocked at how little I care of your opinion of me. And I wish I had known that because I would have wanted to use it on that guy, uh, but it wouldn't have been from a, from a pure heart. But I remember just 
just being consumed with those criticisms and just feeling like, oh my, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just devastated. And I was, I was probably very miserable to live with in those moments, as Cindy would tell you. And I was just so consumed because I was quite certain that I really was the second coming of Billy Graham. <laughs> I was very confident of that fact, that the world was so fortunate to have me stepping into the pulpit Sunday in and Sunday out. And so I was so devastated because my identity wasn't in Christ yet. I was a believer, but my identity and my own mind wasn't in Christ. It was in my ability. But then you get knocked down a little bit. And you begin to learn that people actually share some of those things with you because they love you, because they care for you. And you're not the second coming to Billy Graham. God already has one Billy Graham. He doesn't need another Billy Graham. And that God can use you in spite of all your weaknesses. And so the, those, those criticisms and those corrections began to take their rightful place in my life. And now just a few weeks ago, I got an email and I'm reading it and it's somebody that's making a suggestion and, and they're being very kind and very gracious, but it's very poignant. And I'm reading it and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh man, this guy is so, so right. <laughs> and isn't it good to be in a church where somebody will tell you something that really will help you as a pastor? There's something about talent and immaturity that, that can lead to a bad combination. And so for you young leaders, let me encourage you to, to be passionate about the church. Be passionate about Jesus. Be passionate about the gifts that God has given you. And then have a spirit that is teachable and wants to learn and to grow. My fourth observation is that we also have here an unaddressed issue. And he dreamed another dream. Told it to his brothers. And we've already read about the sun and the moon. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother... Your brothers indeed bowed down ourselves to the ground before you. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Dad takes offense. Finally, Israel is bothered by this. Now it's come to his attention. Now he kind of knows how the brothers feel. And if you're reading the story, you're going, good. Now he's going to offer some kind of correction. He's going to offer some kind of rebuke that will point Joseph in a good direction with this gift that God has given him. But the rebuke is sharp, and it has to do with Israel's feelings being hurt, and it offers no opportunity for Joseph to grow. And then beyond that, it simply says he kept the saying in his mind. That's another way of saying he pondered it. He thought about it. He considered what was going on. Pondering? Okay. It's great. There's nothing wrong with stopping and thinking about it. But, but I want to talk to the older leaders of Green Tree. I want to talk to moms and dads and, and folks of us who have responsibility to lead the younger generation. We are tasked with nurturing these folks who are following behind us. Israel has an opportunity to teach his sons, all of them, the proper way to handle this kind of situation. And instead we get nothing, not a peep. He just sits and he thinks. Moms and dads, present Green Tree leaders, uh, there is a time for us to sit and be still, but it is not yet. It is our time to teach and to train and to prepare the next generation. I told you the book of Proverbs, those chapters begin, my son, listen to my voice. But there's a flip side to that. You can say to, to your children, do you have a teachable spirit? But you can say like, like I do with my Monday morning guys, we have all young dads on Monday morning. We meet and we ask the same question week in and week out of ourselves. Am I creating a teachable spirit within my child? Am I helping the children that God has given me learn how to accept a loving rebuke, how to learn to accept correction? Am I creating within their hearts a desire for learning and a desire for growth? Because it's not on them to develop that, it's on me. It's my responsibility as a dad. It's my responsibility as a mom. And I, Israel leaves this issue unaddressed 
to his shame and to the detriment of his family. In a green tree, we need the humble and gentle and gracious leaders of present group to care for and to love and to nurture the next generation. Uh, a lot of you who are younger probably don't know the real motto of Green Tree Community Church. Uh, you know, our, our core values are, are to uh, make disciples, to renew communities, and to plant churches. You see that on the Seasons Weekly. But you probably don't know what, what the founding motto of Green Tree Community Church is. Fortunately, I have it with me this morning. It's actually been made into a bumper sticker. And for a small donation to Green Tree Community... No, I'm just kidding about that part. Uh, but it is a bumper sticker. And I have it... I sit it on my desk. I don't put it on my car. I put it on my desk because I want to look at it every day. The original uh, founding fathers of Green Tree said this is our motto. We may be idiots, but we're God's idiots. We may be idiots, but we're God's idiots. Let me go, that's a bit offensive to me. I don't like the word idiot, and I don't think it ought to be used in the context of a church. And I simply would ask you to think about the spirit in which it was intended. The original leaders of Greenview, the first time we sat in a session meeting, we said, let's try not to mess this up too badly. <laughs> because we know the need we have for God's grace. And it's that attitude. It's that tone that must be passed on to the next generation. We cannot sit idly by. If you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you're the guys that need to be in the Sunday school classrooms teaching our kids every Sunday. It's not the 20 and 30 year olds that are having the children. They need the opportunity to get a break. We need to come alongside them and love them well and not leave the issues of our day and age unaddressed as Israel did in his family. It's on us to raise up the next generation. My fifth and last observation in this text is man's resolution, but God's divine providence. The Midianite traders pass by. I'm skipping through the conversation where they, they talk about, why, let's not kill them, let's just throw them in the pit, and now let's sell them to the, to the traders. This is how it ends up. The Midianite traders pass by. They drew Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. You want to know if your family's really in a dysfunctional spot? You're in a dysfunctional spot when the kids think, you know, the best solution to this problem is just to either kill Johnny or sell him into slavery. <laughs> That's when you know you've maybe crossed over in, in, into kind of a dark place. This has kind of a feel of Lord of the Flies to me just a little bit. You know, dad's kind of checked out of this conversation and, and the kids are going to come up with a solution. And my experience tells me when, when I was a kid, if mom and dad weren't around, we, we didn't have any trouble coming up with solutions. That was not a problem at all. They weren't always the best. But if mom and dad left us alone, we'd figure it out. And these guys figure it out on their own. And they say, why don't we kill them? Why don't we just, why don't we just kill them? And then, and then Judah says, you know, you don't really want blood on your hands. Let's sell them. And everybody goes, what a great idea. How does the family get to a point where that's a great idea? They're tossing this little irritating brother into the well and selling him to passing nomads. This sounds kind of crazy to us. But it's not outside of God's divine providence for everybody that's involved. You see, God has in the future, and we'll see this over the next few weeks, a very important task for Joseph. But Joseph's not ready for that task yet. He has much to learn. He has a lot of growing to do. And even this disaster of being sold into slavery and separated from his family for the next couple of decades is part of God's taking him into the refiner's fire. He will provide for Joseph, but it won't be easy and it won't always be pleasant, but it will be part of God's divine and sovereign plan of salvation. 
which is a comfort to those of us this morning that feel that we are perhaps outside of God's will because things that are difficult are happening to us right now. Maybe you are a young leader and you're, and you're learning some tough lessons. You think, man, God is, where's the Lord in this? I, I don't want to learn these hard lessons. That, that might be exactly where God has you because he's going to use that in your life to refine you and make you a leader for his kingdom. But not only that, for Joseph, but unbeknownst to this father and brothers, they are in deep, deep peril. It's a long way off, but the storm clouds are forming. And within the next 20 years, one of the worst famines ever to hit the Middle East is going to descend upon this family. And if it were not for a benevolent brother and son in Egypt in a place of authority, this family would vanish from existence. They would starve to death and die. And you think that might not be all that big of an issue, except with this family goes the promise of your salvation and mine. You see, God knew all along what was going to happen. He was not pleased with Joseph's attitude towards his brothers or the brothers' attitudes towards Joseph. I'm quite certain that he was not at all appreciative of Israel ignoring the situation, but it did not take it out of his divine providence. And this family would have been wiped out the family of promise, the family of redemption is now going to be spared because in God's grace, he's going to provide for this family. These brothers came up with what they thought was a great solution, but it was part of God's plan. I said at the outset, groups rise and fall on leadership. I firmly believe that the church is no exception, friends. Scripture gives directions for godly servant leaders in Green Tree Community Church must follow that course. If you're a young leader here this morning, I don't care if you're 13, if you're a leader, nurture those gifts. Explore those gifts with your mom, with your dad, uh, with, our, with our youth ministry staff here at Green Tree, with teacher at school, but develop those gifts for the kingdom of God. Take the challenge and have a spirit that allows you to learn and grow and develop those gifts in the context of God's grace and God's mercy through Christ Jesus. And for those of us that are seasoned veterans, who maybe you'll be thinking that, that you know, it, it might be time for us to step aside. Not yet. Not quite yet. We've got a few more years, a little bit more time, in which God has provided us the opportunity to serve him and to serve Green Tree well by passing on the wisdom and the grace of Jesus to the next generation. By his grace and by his power, may we do just that. Let's pray together.